The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. Welcome to this episode of the Dealer Playbook Podcast, doing something new. Hopefully something we get to do more of this year on the podcast is in person right here in the studio. I'm sitting down with my good friend, Emer Sanabria. He's a 20-year war veteran, but also a highly successful business leader, somebody who I've had share his incredible wisdom with my team at Flex Dealer and who I wanted to bring to you, especially as we move into this new season in 2023 and beyond. There are a lot of things that are out of our control, and maybe we sit here late at night wondering, what do we do and how are we going to react? And so I thought it would be really cool to have him share not only his experience uh, on real missions in the military being deployed overseas, but also how that carries over to the business world. I hope you stay tuned for this whole episode. Emer, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Like I said, this, we're all kind of pontificating, like what's this year going to look like? What do we do? How do we react? I know that you are somebody that can make wise decisions when under pressure. That's what one of the reasons you came to my mind. As we look to the business landscape in the coming year, maybe two years, what is your thought process like? Where should business leaders be focused? I would say thinking about you know 2023, 2024, the focus I would have is excitement. There's things that are going to be out of our control, you know, whether the economy, the market, how people are going to react to that market. But we can't control that. What we could control is ourselves. So if, say, imagine your team or your company or everyone that works around you sees you nervous, sees you stressed out, they're going to feel that. Right. Right. So you you get that excitement going. You're excited about the year. Yes, things are going to happen, I think. But if you're excited about the year, excited about goals, what I call SMART goals, right? I add an E to it. So there's the, you know, is it is it sustainable? Is it measurable? achievable, relevant, and then time-sensitive goals to your organization. And then I put an E, excitement. You have to be excited, right? Because if you're doom and gloom about 2023, right. 2024, they're going to be the same way. Right. They're going to be like, hey, wh- why are we even doing this if the economy is going to go bad or if we're going to do this? We have to be excited about the growth. We may not have a big growth, but we have to have growth. I love that. Yeah, it it brings to mind the thought process of the leader sets the thermostat. Yep, the tempo. The tempo. If you set your thermostat to doom and gloom and I'm afraid and I'm nervous, like you're saying, your whole organization is going to follow that. But if you're growth minded, if you see the challenges as opportunities, then you can get creative and you can say, oh, okay, there's there's something here. Everybody else can be doom, doom and gloom. Like my old pappy used to say, don't interrupt your competition when they're busy making mistakes. <laughs> and if everybody is going to follow this, like I'm afraid, I'm nervous, I don't know what's going to happen, and they're already behind the eight ball, then it makes sense. Be smart. Yeah. I love how you, you broke that apart. Um, is it okay to feel nervous though? I think it, it, it's good. Nervous is good. So I, I imagine like 
I always say this is the way I can I describe nervousness. Butterflies, right? That butterfly feeling in right. stomach as a business owner. What's going to happen with the decision? Am I doing the right thing or am I not? We say it's okay to have butterflies, but what you want to do is put a bag over them and then guide them towards one direction. So use that to guide you. Don't let it move you, but you move it. Have it help you and propel you to what you want to do. So like I think of like a like of a battle, right? Since 20-year Marine, I always kind of tie into the Marine Corps. So in in the battlefield, you have you're doing one or two things. You're either defensive or you're offensive. So as a business, we might be thinking, okay, 2023, we need to go into a defensive position. Right. The economy's gonna slow down. What can we do to be more defensive? Still grow, but be defensive. So when we're in a defensive position, we have Kevlar on, we got our helmets, we're heavy, but we're defensive. We could define what we have. So we're kind of putting all that weight on. Now we sacrifice speed because to get speed, you got to take all that gear off. When you're offensive, you have the very basic on. You know, you're not wearing all the extra ammo or other extra gear because you're moving quickly to get to the next area. So you have to navigate this here. Sometimes you have to be defensive. Sometimes you have to be offensive. But you can't remain defensive and expect offensive gains. Right. So as a business, that's what you can look at it. Some things, it's like, okay, here we're going to be defensive. We're going to keep doing what we're doing, what we're doing good at. Let's get <clears throat> awesome at it. But we got to get that opportunities to be offensive and try something new. Look at the market and say, hey, what can we do? What can we do something different? Right. You know. What's your opinion then of this rising popularity of nuts no, offense all the time. I don't care. I'm not, I don't want to ever be in a position to defend myself. I'm offense all the time. You're saying, I mean, as far as military goes in those high pressure situations, no, there are moments of defense. So what's your thoughts on those that say are, no, I don't want to defend. I want to be offensive all the time. Well, we lose ground. So when we keep, when we penetrate so far forward, so quickly, we don't have enough time to what I call sustainment, to sustain the growth we've had. So you want to grow, but you also need to sustain it, right? So when you grow, pull back, be defensive and make it better. Work on those things that, okay, hey, we got, you know, we grew our business in, a, in an area that we didn't have before. But how do we sustain that growth? Because if you keep growing and growing and growing, but can't sustain it, it's going to fall underneath you. Just like taking over territory. You take over, like, let's just say you're taking over a town, but if you leave one or two guys there and you take your main force somewhere else, what's going to happen? You're going to come right behind you and take it over. Other organizations are going to come right behind you and take over what you just did. Right. So you have to sustain it. Um, this makes even more sense as I contrast that against, okay, you've got all this military experience. You certainly, I'm, I'm guessing, learned a lot of these lessons um, there on the battlefield and in training and how much you put into training, but you also have a master's degree in human resource management. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I got a, my second master's in human resources. You have yeah. two masters. Yes. What's your first master's in science management, science management. What does that mean? So that's this, the, the, the science of managing people and teams, organizations, mm. how to build teams, how to make them quickly and then how to get them to perform. Interesting. Okay. So this is making even more sense about I, what I love about talking to you about this stuff is it's void of pontification. It's all, it's like very logistical to me. 
You know, if we're encountering this, do that. If we're encountering this, do that. You're very prepared. And I think oftentimes what I see in business is people react based on things that are out of their control that they can do nothing about. Like, unless you are the, in control of the Fed. Exactly. Like, you... That doesn't mean you can't prepare for all of the what ifs. And I think oftentimes, I know for myself, a lot of my, there, there are colleagues of mine who perhaps mistake my realism and desire for planning and logistics for pessimism. When in my mind, it's like, no, I just want to be prepared so that I don't have to think about how to act or react when I'm encountering different situations. What's your take on that? Is there value in that? There is. So I think of like reactive before proactive, right? So I'd rather be proactive than to reactive. That right. doesn't mean we're going to have to react. That's, it's going to, it's going to come to us. Right. But when we have what we call a SOP, like a standard operating procedure, if this happens, I can always go back to my standard operating procedure and overcome what's going to happen. There's going to be some adjustment because that's just life. But if my team or my company or my organization knows, hey, this happens, this is what we do. It's proven. It's something that we could always go back to. Then you're already ahead of it. When you have to react and, okay, what do we do? It creates a culture of reactiveness. Mm. So it breeds your team to stop being proactive and just always Oh, it's going to happen again. Well, we'll do this. Instead of saying, okay, this has happened. Let's set up a standard operating procedure, SOP. So when this does happen, we know what to do. Right? And as your organization grows and evolves, that becomes second nature. So you anticipate something already because like, hey, we've done this. Let's go to our standing operating procedure. And before it even gets bigger than what it was originally, your, your team's already. Do you think... Do you think the last couple of years made people soft? I do. I think our market's been great, which is good. So we've been able to kind of relax a little bit and assume everything's going to be great. So in that sense, as far as the business, yes, we've been able to kind of take a, a back seat and say things are going to be fine. Which is, it's been great, but at the same time, I think it's going to hurt us. It's like that quote, um, tough times, create tough men, tough people, tough people, whatever it is. And, and I'm that that's perhaps one of my biggest worries moving into this new landscape for a lot of people This, you know, first of all, we're getting old and it dawned on me. I say that because it dawned on me the other day that many of the people in the workforce today did not experience 08 and 09. They didn't experience the Oh shoot! I gotta do whatever, whatever it ethically takes to 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 grow. And I think of my time, I was new, like a new business founder. We had a couple of years of good growth, and then all of a sudden, clients start dropping like flies because they're all trying to hang on for dear life. And now, all of a sudden, we're trying to hang on for dear life. And it dawned on me that a lot of people in the workforce today have not experienced that, and. I asked you about the last two years and whether or not it made us weak because, I mean, I, I, I think of the headlines over the last couple of years, the great, what is it? The great res, um, reset. reset or the great resignation because, you know, I'm worth more and I can get a job over here and it's better. And, oh, employers, you need to be more attractive to employees to get more. And 
I mean, there's, there's truth to that. You don't, we're, we're not trying to take over people's lives, but it worries me moving into this new territory because now we've made everyone believe that they don't have to do as much to get what they were paid. And we're moving into a market where you, you're going to have to do 10 times more to validate your worth to an organization so that you don't get cut. So you bring up a good topic. So I just had an experience this last week about this where I had an employee uh, or a contract where I needed, you know, X, Y, and Z to be done. And it was worth, let's just say, you know, a couple hundred dollars. So the contractor reached out to me and said, I'll do that, but I need to make X amount of money because that's what I'm worth. Mm. Right. So I, you know, heard what the guy got to say and said, hey, thank you for your opinion. Unfortunately, I'm going to go with another contractor. Not that I don't value you, but you may you think you're worth something, but the job isn't. That job specifically isn't worth what you want. So I think with this thing, that's what people confuse. What they think they're worth and what the job is worth worth doing or what the cost of that job. Right. So as an organization, you say, hey, this is what this job is worth. I'm not minimizing your worth as a person, right? but I can't pay you what this job is not worth. Right. So that is, I think two different things that we have to distinguish. So a lot of people say, well, I'm worth this. Well, I may be worth a million dollars, but if I go work, let's just say at a fast food restaurant, they're not going to pay me a million dollars because that job isn't worth. Right. That, not only that, <laughs> I always love when people, people are like, Hey, I, I, you know, they apply for a job somewhere. They've been out of work for a year, you know, hanging, hanging out for that, best. that best job. And they know that say the job offer is 80 grand a year and they come in and they're like, well, I'm hoping to get a hundred. I'm worth a hundred. When's the last time you worked? Uh, it's been a year. You're worth zero. Yeah. You are worth zero. You've earned zero dollars. Do you know how people make investments? If your company earns zero dollars, you're worth zero dollars. There's no multiple on zero that doesn't equal zero. <laughs> if you've earned zero, you're not worth a hundred thousand. You need to work yourself back up to that hundred thousand unless you're more efficient. You actually had proof. And that's the problem. Most people don't actually have proof. They have proof of showing up at nine and leaving at four forty-five. Yeah. So, so I always think or, or say to some friends, people want to get people want employment, but they don't want to work. Mm. Right? Two different things. Right. You know. So you can have employment, but you want to work. Right. Right, so I'd accept someone that says, "Hey, this is what I'm worth, but I'm willing to give you this to show you my what I could do for your organization." Wonderful. In a year, let's address it. You're worth a hundred thousand, absolutely, but that hasn't been proven. Right. There's a lot of um, former military people out there um, that have kind of taken on celebrity. They've written books. They're very prominent, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. I don't care. Facts don't care about your feelings. Who cares? Just wake up and do it. Don't think about it. I know that that must be an element of being in the, the service and having to do whatever it takes to survive and come home alive and, and that sort of a thing. But do you think that sort of messaging to common folk is it healthy or should there be some fine print to it so it goes back to that science management right so not not everyone's the same right so you as a leader i think have to evolve and learn who you can be a little bit harder with and who you can't 
So it, it's, that, it's that fine line of saying, okay, you know, so I think of being a Marine. So in front of my men, I was never tired. I was never hungry. I was never anything. They only saw what they needed to see. And that was a person that was confident and that was mission oriented. We always think, you know, mission accomplishment, troop welfare in that order. I have to accomplish the mission, but I have to take care of my people. I can't do the mission without my people, but I have to accomplish the mission no matter what. So as a business owner, you know, if, I, if I'm this person that says, hey, we're doing this no matter what, I'm forgetting about there might be some other issues going on. So right. That mission won't get accomplished. Right. Right. But you also do have to be firm. I call it firm, but fair. So it's easier to be firm and fair all the time than it is to be weak and try to be firm. Mm. People have met you as a weak person already. Right. So when you try to, that's why when, when I do like, when I say coaching or when I talk to uh, managers or, or business owners that say, hey, I'm really having people problems. I'll watch the ma- manager or the person for a while first, a good couple of weeks to see how they interact. And sadly, a lot of the times is their interaction is weak. And then they sometimes try to be hard or firm, which is just doesn't make sense to the people like, wait, you're weak all the time. And I don't mean weak in a bad way, but just as far as maybe some leadership things. So I said, hey, let's fix these things and you be consistently firm. Right. They're, they're going to understand that. That's, that's the tone that you set. That doesn't mean you're not unapproachable, but that means certain things. Hey, we're going to accomplish this mission and they're going to get behind you. You know, naturally, we rally to the best leader and best leaders. Most of them are firm. How do you, um, as we wind down here, I want to get an, uh, kind of an inside look at how you as a business leader set goals and how, as part of the science management and people management, how you ensure that the goal is achievable and that it actually does get achieved. Okay. The number one thing, Mike, I would say is your team has to be involved. I don't set goals. They set goals. I guide them to the goals that I already want. Right? Let's just, so I'm going to just use percentages. So let's just say I want 25% growth. If I come into my organization and say, hey, this is what I, the goal I've outlined. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to get done. It, it could work, but it's so much more strategic and so much better for your organization if they come up with the numbers and they come up with how they're going to achieve it. You guide them, right? They might say something with your experience and say, hey, I like that, but let's. what about if we do it this way? Or what do you think about this? So it's their ideas, their goals, they're behind it. You run the organization. You don't do all of it, though. You need the team. So when they come up with those things, they're, they're excited. They're getting excited about how they're going to achieve it, what they're going to do, how it's their goal. And that's the, that, I think that's the, that's the trick behind it. Then, then, it, then you just, how you measure it is you, you, they define it. Hey, you, we want to get this percentage of growth. You've laid out a plan that we all like. So how soon can we do that? What's achievable? Let's look at our history and how fast can we achieve that goal? So you're telling them what you already know. Right. But they're telling you what I call like a teach back. So they just say, I teach you how to do a certain, like you're taking the car apart and a carburetor, if anybody remembers what those are. <laughs> if I explain it to you and I said, okay, your turn to do it. I want you to get it done in an hour. Probably going to give up. 
But if I show you and I said, okay, teach it back to me, you show me how to do it. When I could see you teaching it back to me, hey, I know it's going to get done. Goal setting is the same way. They have to take ownership of that goal. They're teaching you or telling you how they're going to achieve that goal. Probability would tell me a high probability that they're going to get it because it's their goal. It's not the company's goal. It's their goal. And they're part of the company. How do you navigate ego in that? And what I mean by that, I mean, like, I know I'm, I know I've got an ego. I know people on my team have egos. I know most people have an ego. When it's their idea, even though you've thought of it as the leader and you know where you want them to get, how do you mitigate them being like, because I've seen this before where it's like, does our leader not know what he wants? Why am I coming up with everything? No, that's fair. It's that balance again, that balance of giving rewarding the ones that merit rewarding and encouraging the wayward. Right. So, so the balance I would say is, you know how those people are, right? Those ego people, you you see them, right? So you, you balance, you give them enough, but the word isn't, I don't want to use critique, right? Because they may be great, but I will take a mediocre person before I would take someone that's awesome but has an ego because that to me in the longer it is more detrimental to the organization right right i don't want someone to challenge me right that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking for someone to grow with me so if they're already in your organization right how, how, how do you deal with a person like that humility i think you take that time to mentor that person and give them that team concept Right. Hey, that's a wonderful idea. That's that's awesome. You've done great. Look what you've done for our, our organization. Right. You know, hey, hey, can you tell me, you know, who helped you with that idea? You you make them open up about bringing other people into it. Hopefully they have the emotional intelligence to realize that they didn't do it themselves. Right. You know, idea, you could have the best idea, but you can't ever accomplish it alone. You know, and I've told that to people that have big egos. Hey, that was awesome. I loved your idea. But I also loved how because your idea, this person was able to add this to it. This person added how to get, achieve it. This person added how to measure it. This other person added how to sustain it. So an idea is just an idea. But it takes the team to actually make the idea into the process that makes your organization what it is. This makes me think of a very simple example so, you know, the scooter that I have sitting yeah. out in the garage, this, this scooter that goes like 32 miles an hour. And one of my favorite things to do uh, is go on scooter rides with my daughter mm-hmm. and she sits there on the front and I'm standing behind and we never go 30. We always keep, you know, on the lowest setting 27. But as we rip around the neighborhood, I'll say which way left or right. And she'll say, right. So we, off we go. We go right, left now, left. Okay. As the leader or the one in control of the scooter, I know ultimately that after about 30 minutes, we will still end up back home. But along the way, she feels in total control of I get to go left or right. The beautiful thing about the neighborhood we live in is you can go left and right till you're blue in the face, but we will end up back home some way because it's just a big, you know, grid. 
Um, and I think about that as, as you're talking because, because I love how you put that. My, my team needs to create the goal. Um, so that they can achieve it so that they're bought into it. But ultimately as the leader, I'm the one with the vision. I need to have the vision. And you had, you had touched on that. Like you have to already know where you need things to go, but the execution piece is what they do. They're the ones executing the work. And so they need to have that goal. Um, I want to interrupt you. Sure. I use the word intent, right? Right. When Mm. I think of like, so when we have a mission, right, we have the commander's intent. So you as the owner, my intent is to grow, right? But if I break down everything, it doesn't give them room to think and for them to be creative. So I, I've set down everything. So in goal setting, that's why I say my intention, guys, my intent is a company to grow. How can we do that? So now that gives them the freedom to be creative, to come up with ideas, Right, because if we tell them how we're going to do it every time, that's no longer there. So it's important to give them your intent, you know, and that's the vision. Hey, this is my vision. This is my intent for us this year. Now, how are we going to get their team? Mm, I love it. Um, I could keep going for hours. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but you know, always have so much fun chatting with you about business. Um, gosh, I mean, we're going to have to get you back and talk about your networking skills and <laughs> the fact that, you know, everybody who is anybody and, and how you engage people and pull people in, uh, we'll save that for when you come back. We'll definitely have you back. But in the meantime, for those that are listening, dealerships, uh, and auto industry professionals all over the world, if they wanted to get in touch with you and learn more about how maybe you could help their organization, where would they, where would you point them? Uh, so just email me, send me an email, emersanabria at gmail.com. Okay. And, and that's the best way I get back or reach back to you and, and kind of get to know what, what you do. Um, and it's just a one-on-one of like, hey, not so much like what your organization's doing, but how are you doing? Because that's really what's the most important. Like I said, if you're not excited, you really, you know, take the time to go. If I'm not excited to be at work, I need to change something. You should be excited. We did. I mean, and that makes so much sense. I mean, we did one session with you, with my team, and that discussion not only has been remembered, the key points have been implemented. And now, I mean, you came into my office just as we, I was finishing a meeting. We're talking about the phase lines and things that you talked to us, and it really stuck with people. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, those part of the DPB gang who are listening and want to maybe reach out and get some counselor advice, this is the man that I highly recommend for that. Emer, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.